Welcome to Twisted Plot Podcast. Here is your host, Evelyn Marley. The last 24 hours have been unlike anything I could have expected. This podcast was supposed to be a fun, creative outlet, and I would never have invited someone on if I thought it could put their job or well-being in jeopardy. The stuff that I've seen going around in the media have cherry-picked quotes without context, and I want to give the audience the opportunity to listen to the two interviews I did with Bree, unedited from their original release and in their entirety to make an educated decision for yourselves. I hope you can listen with an open mind and open heart, and remember that this podcast was created because I love reality TV. Vanderbump rules and all the characters slash creators of the VPR universe. Here you go. We have this connection of Stockton. <laughs> yeah. Talk you about that. You have a family family member from there, right? My grandparents. Well, my mother was born there. Okay. And my so my grandparents lived there pretty much, you know, my whole life. So they would go over and you know, just drop me off there and be like, you're spending the weekend with your grandparents. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So Stockton was like a second home to me growing up. <laughs> that's and, so funny. It's just such like a, it's a place that, you know, it, it exists in California and most people aren't really aware of it except for when there, there's an In-N-Out burger there. So people right. stop off the freeway for the In-N-Out burger. On their way <laughs> Tahoe or Sacramento or something like that. Somewhere somewhere more interesting. Than yeah. Sacramento. There's like one water park there, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that is the most exciting thing because my parents never took me to water parks. But my grandpa was like, let's go to the park and the water park and Toys R Us. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go. Stop to that is like my grandparent dream. Like if I could have made up the perfect grandparents in my mind, they would have taken me to water parks and toy stores and things like that. And if, someday if I act as a grandparent to somebody, I will bring that that's, energy. That's exactly <laughs> what you'll do. Yeah. Which is exactly why I love Stockton so much. So I was like, yes, please bring me there every weekend. Did you have any idea that you wanted to get into production at all when you were younger? Did you have any inclination of it? Yeah, I, um, I, I had a VHS recorder and a lot of my friends didn't have that. And so I ended up being the person who would record the school projects and we would just make funny videos. And we had a just a really big collection of videos of ourselves as kids. I had three siblings and we would play imaginary games and we would make up plays and we would we would video them. So we had this history of playing with a video camera and I really didn't have any sort of film or movie exposure, like I barely watched TV, but we had this video camera, so it was all about the making of it. And so I would watch these videos of my own family over and over again, and it was the uh, mystery of the realness, I think, that my family portrayed, and watching it back and seeing the nostalgia and the sort of like the beauty of our family, relived, like reliving it through the video that I think that was my first experiences with with movie making. And maybe that's why I work in reality TV, because I wasn't that exposed to scripted television. I just had 
my own video camera and our family and our, our memories of ourselves and the way that we would retell our own stories for our own enjoyment. And then like a lot of that is just nostalgia. And of course, the dark times of the family don't get recorded. It's just the happy stuff. It's just the, the fun plays and the Christmas time and the um, the laughter and the hugs and the birthdays and things like that. And so um, it was always a really magical thing to be able to reflect on my own family in the, in like a more beautiful way and to forget about the negative things. So I think that was my first exposure to filmmaking, but it really had nothing to do with like, you know, Steven Spielberg or like TV shows or anything like that. That's amazing that you connect that, that realness of your family and your experiences with that, the, those recordings, and then translate that into why reality TV kind of works for you because you really, I mean, you're an amazing editor for the show i have not seen your other work i know that you've you've done work on top chef project runway and Mm -hmm. siesta key as well is that right yeah i i I just did a few weeks on that so i did siesta key i've done like more some more documentary style i've done some music integrated things like there was this show on mtv called taking the stage where there were a lot of music performances there was a show on showtime called polyamory married to dating that was more like Sex I documentary. saw that show. You did? I, re- I remember that show. Yes. That was one of my favorite shows to work on. It was so insane. I mean, oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> I must have been. Wow. I completely and totally remember. I can't remember because it was about following these couples, right? That were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Like a, like a three, like a threesome and a, and a foursome. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that brings me back. And did you watch reality TV like when you started watching T, te- like when you were out of your house growing up uh, in school and stuff like that? Were you interested in reality TV just for your own to watch entertainment? I really had no exposure to reality TV until suddenly I was working in it. So I was interested in documentary. And so when I got my internship in college, I was on Craigslist and looking for people who needed interns and this thing came up and it worked out and it was this movie called air guitar nation where it's a, they delve into the weird world of air guitar. I remember uh, that too. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was a really fun documentary and I, I, learned how to do the assistant editor job on there and someone really wonderful trained me. And so I was this college student, you know, commuting over there and like doing my work. And I met all of these people and they happened to work at Magical Elves and they were the people who were making Project Greenlight at the time. And they had just started Project Runway. And this is around the time that Bravo started doing reality shows. And I don't, you know, I think Real Housewives maybe had already begun, but Really, it was about these occupational competitions. So that's, I just sort of landed there. They merged me from the documentary over to Project Runway. And I very luckily landed right in the midst of the the place that was moving rapidly upward. So yeah, you sure did. So I'm going to formally introduce you now just because I realized that I haven't told the audience exactly your name. You are Bree Dellinger. Did I say your last name right? Dellinger, yeah. Dellinger. And as I said, she's the editor extraordinaire. She's worked on the show's Top Chef, Project One Way, Siesta Key, and currently our beloved Vanderpump Rules. And Mm -hmm. uh, some... Some of these episodes that she's worked on have been season five, episode 17, the iconic, absolutely iconic, he's a battered wife. 
And uh, that episode included the spin the bottle game, which I didn't realize till I rewatched it because I did get creepy and go and rewatch every single episode that you did. Amazing. Uh, I know. <laughs> I got to do my research, right? And every single one that you did do, I it's funny because there are so many moments. I remember them vividly, specific moments that I feel like a lot of the meme makers and fans have run with so hard, like the battered wife. That was amazing. The picture that during the spin the bottle, the game, the boys kiss Tom's kiss. And that picture is in Tom, Tom. Yeah. So every time do you go to Tom, Tom, you're like, yep. Just a sweet reminder of like that awesome episode that I edited. <laughs> I kind of forgot that that was from my episode, but it you know must be in my brain somewhere. But like you know, some of the things like I can, t- I totally will and can take credit for. And then some yeah. of the things it's just like I mean, I could never have written even if I was a really great writer. The battered wife moment. I mean, I was oh, yeah. hired at a certain point, you know, in the series, and I I got that episode and I made the most of it that I could. But like uh, that was that was luck that I got that moment because that was all Sandoval and Schwartz and their passion and their fury and outrage and <laughs> I <laughs> was that 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 was my episode but I cannot truly take really any credit for how amazing that moment was. Had you seen the show beforehand? Did you know anything about it? Did you do some of your own research prior? Yeah, actually, when I when I did the interview for working on Vanderpump Rules, I had been doing a lot of competition shows and I was a little burnt out and uh I had been on Shaws of Sunset and so I kind of just rolled nicely into Vanderpump and I you know I was like I don't know if I want to do this show what is it about even I don't know a story producer said you should just you should just watch from the beginning just watch just watch a few episodes so you know what it's about and I was just they had hired me and so I was like I'll do my research and I'll watch a few and I was hooked watched it so this was 20 16 because that's when I started working on it so right before season five and I could not stop watching so I fully identify with everybody who has come to the show late in it and just like gotten sucked in and watched it and binged it because that was my experience where I was just like what is this this is amazing (laughs) I love this and suddenly I was working on Below Deck which is also a great show and I was waiting for my job at Vanderpump Rules to start and I was chomping at the bit I was like can I get over there sooner and I was trying to move my start date up I was trying to like below deck to go where I was like I need to get over there I need I need to work on this show I'm obsessed with this show and so now I have watched all those old episodes that I didn't work on multiple times like I am one of the archival people on the post team and like you know you're like oh you know talk to Bree she might remember this moment or something like that because I have now watched all the episodes many many times and I I'm like, oh, well, we can, you know, that's why, like, I love to do the flashbacks, the, like, montage flashbacks. I'll go back and be like, oh, there's this little moment, and we can juxtapose it with that. And oh, so, like, the- my gosh. <laughs> you are the flashback master. Everyone is talking about the flashback. Like, everybody on social media is like, oh, my gosh, they just did another flashback, and it's amazing. Yes, yes, <laughs> this is so good. So, like, you are one of the flashback masters, basically. Yeah, one of them. I mean, we, we all do the flashbacks and things like that. And um, But you can just help- recall things, like, easily. Yeah, I, yeah, when I do my own, I'm like... Ooh, and I'm always trying different things because it's super fun to play with the flashbacks. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I can't take credit for the amazing one that um that was viral this season, which was the I'm sorry, but montage. Oh um, yes, that was a beautiful moment, and I 
I had nothing to do with that one, but that's the kind of thing that I think our show does so great. How many editors? There's 10 editors and they're just like the best editors. They are, they have to be really fast. They also have to really care about the show because it's not a show where you can half-ass your storytelling. You have to know what's happening in the whole season. You have to be paying attention. Each editor has one episode at a time and we do two, approximately two episodes per season. So you're fully immersed in your one episode at the moment. And so you have to really be talking to each other and um, be finding out what's happening before and after and then how it's changing as we're developing the story. Then we have about 12 story producers and they look at the footage first and sort of give you the rundown. Here's what your episode's about. And they help find moments and they they lay out the initial work for us. Um, And then we have a few overseeing producers, the co-EPs and the showrunner. So um, there's a whole team and we're really like tightly knit at this point because a lot of people come back season after season. and, And that really helps with the continuity of the show through the seasons. Yeah, continuously I've heard cast members and production say we're like a family. We are like a family, but it, you can kind of tell just by the continuity, like regular things that happen on the yeah. show, I'd say. So when you guys, when the producers are out with, on the field with the uh, cast and something like Battered Wife happens, do you guys get like a mass text going with each other and be like, oh my God, you're never going to believe this. Keep a mental note. This is happening right now. Or is it more you save it for later? Well, the the production team works all summer long and then the editors come on slowly after the footage has been ingested. So we aren't as up on those kinds of text messages. I know those do happen, but I just recently have integrated myself into the producer communications, which has been really fun for me because last summer I was on vacation and I was so miserable that I wasn't going to know what was happening. And so um, I started reading the field notes as they were being put onto the, uh, the hard drives or the, you know, the Google drive. Yeah. And, um, So I was like sitting at a pool in Egypt, like taking a break from the pyramids and I was reading the (laughs) field logs and I, well, first what happened was I was reading Reddit about the pastor drama and I was like, oh my gosh, this pastor drama has just happened. And I watched it unfold on Reddit and Twitter. And then I was reading the field logs and the Reddit drama and the BuzzFeed article started playing out in the in the footage with Brittany and Jax and then Sandoval. And it was strange to be on vacation and be immersed in this faraway drama. And I was getting excited and I thought, oh gosh, like, I hope this is my episode. You know, I, I knew my start date, but I didn't know where that would land with my, which footage I was going to get. And um, and I was so worried I was going to have the wedding and I didn't want the wedding. <laughs> Why? Why not? I'm not a very romantic person <laughs> when it comes to weddings. I don't want to spend my time doing the ooey gooey. I want the, the drama. Like I right. want the, I want the, the, the gossip and the, <laughs> the raw. Yes. Stuff. Um, you know, I want the equivalent of the kicking the door open and you're a battered wife. Like, yeah, I don't want to do the vows. when you know so much about the show and you've seen so many episodes are you ever like do you ever find yourself biting your tongue or holding your fingers back from just editing something in completely like well there's this that you know like 
for instance, I was watching the episode of um, Jack's at the table with Rand and Lala and mm-hmm. Brittany, and he was like, I don't even know what about her sexuality, mm. what that's all about. And then you watch a few seasons back, and I posted this on Instagram, mm. how I watched the season when they're in Miami, and mm-hmm. it's like, he's clearly something is going on. And or has happened in his life. Why is he so negative about it? Why does it have to be like this? So I'm like, yeah, why? Why couldn't we edit that in a little bit? Like maybe in. in Right. Like a juxtaposition there. I think with the situation like that, I mean, the the edit choice to keep that in where Jax is questioning that is the moment that the editor is choosing to present to say, hey, we know that you as the audience remember a few seasons back and sometimes we do the juxtaposition yeah something like that which was an unconfirmed assumption or rumor was it would be a little harder to juxtapose but if it had been like a flash moment where you could have really seen him like well I mean there was that moment where he's like up in that his guy's face or whatever but it's but we can't actually claim something like that so it wouldn't be right yeah I think like just the just the keeping in the moment where he's questioning Ariana's sexuality in that rude way is enough to be like okay let the audience say for themselves this is hypocritical you know this is ultra defensive you know he's talking about it too much it's suspicious you know it is is yeah so like those kinds of moments sometimes we don't juxtapose because it's kind of like well it's clear it should be clear yeah leaving it in is enough to let the moment live fair Absolutely fair. And, and I, and that means you respect your audience enough to, that they know better too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know exactly what's happening and it is wild. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a wild ride. You did uh, part of that episode, right? The light, the latest one as well. Yeah. I, I worked on a, a part of it just to help it. Cause sometimes um, when deadlines get pressed, we jump on and help each other. Not like out of the goodness of our heart, we are paid, but yeah. um <laughs> You know, I had a a day when I was waiting for notes for my episode, so I helped out. So I did work on, like, the conversation between Sandoval and Jax where he fired him from being a groomsman. And I I did, like, you know, some work on it just to kind of put – I put my spin on that and did some other pieces that, you know, just to help out. I tell the story about – I've told the story about the tables and chairs in the back alley and how mysterious they are because they appear and disappear so frequently. It's so amazing. (laughs) The way they sat, though, I was thinking to myself, it was a little awkward. Like they weren't, and Sandoval never looked at him when he was talking. So it it was, it it, it was definitely a moment and um, an interesting one between them because they have gone through so much together that it's, it's wild to think of why Sandoval would still be friends with Jax, but you know, love is love in a way. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of the tension is, that between seasons, Sandoval and Ariana, as far as I can tell, do their own thing. Yeah. Like, you know, and I know from watching the social media that Jax and Brittany got really close with Randall and Lala in between season seven and eight. I don't know if those relationships were kept up with, and that's where some of the resentment comes from. And, you know, you have heritage friends and you have friends who are truly in your day to day life. And I think. A little bit, Jax and Sandoval are feeling like heritage friends. Like they are, have been friends for so long, but they're not active friends. And like, they're not really relevant in each other's lives outside of this Vanderpump Rules kind of world. So like, 
they grew apart or something. They're evolving into different and we grow up, we grow out of friendships. We can see that happening with other people on the cast. So it's not too surprising. Yeah. It's relatable. Yeah. You know, I have that happening in my life at various times and that's what I love to find. I love to find the thing in as, as, as insane as these scenarios get with the shouting and the, you know, firing of, bridesmaids and things like that groomsmen the the relatability is is like the love and the and the like heartbreak of friendship and we we can really really I think everybody can relate to that and that's why I think despite you know all of the changes these people are making whether they're working at the restaurant or whether they have mansions or whatever like the realness that the audience can find is is that the friendship and like the tearing apart inside of yourself when you're growing up and you don't really want things to totally change and how painful that can be. Well, the relationships are everything about that show. That's why I've watched from the beginning and keep watching. Mm-hmm. It's it's, yeah. it's ever evolving and it changes and it fluctuates. And you want to see people get friends, get back together. And then, oh, gosh, they can break up too. Friendships can break up too. And then they can forgive each other. They are the most forgiving people, I think, in a way, yeah. watching them on TV. That I, How could you not see that um and i'm not saying that just because i'm you know like a really big fan like i see the negative or whatever too and i'm sure you've seen do you have to watch all the footage when you're going through stuff or do you kind of pick up from other editors uh what they think would really be good if they see something other like ooh, this would be really good to put in or vice versa well we 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 end up seeing pretty much all the footage in our episode and we barely have time to see all of that and do all of the versions and the notes and everything in the amount of time. So I will go through and watch the rough cuts of my fellow editors cuts. And I try and talk to them and find out what's happening because I can't keep up with all the changes. And so I don't get to see all the details that other people are leaving out or choosing to, I mean, I see the things they end up choosing, but I can only know the possibilities for my, usually it's like, two to three days worth of footage. And then that's all condensed down into 45 minutes. So it's like a big job to, to decide what goes into that. But yeah, I don't know all of the, I don't know all the footage. Yeah. I have a series of questions from an IG account. uh, Oh, no Bravo. Do you follow many accounts yourself and keep up? Yeah. I started following more these days and it's really fun. Like it's, I I do follow Oh, no Bravo. No, there's a ton of them out there. Yeah. There, we have like developed our own little Grammarly on there, just talking to each other and, uh-huh. and then sharing each other's stuff. It's been a fun experience. I was only like on Twitter before, really. And so I never mm-hmm. gave Instagram any love. But um, since I have, it's just been really fun and mm-hmm. ridiculous. And I actually wonder, like, do you ever see something? Because I know you posted something recently about the trailer and you're like, oh, it's kind of weird to see someone else's watermark on something that I've done. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, you know, like, I don't think about that. And I had like, maybe I should think about that when I'm posting something. And of course you think about it because it is hard work that you put into it. And then here we are like taking it, spinning it, cutting it, photoshopping, changing music, this, that. How does it make you feel? Is it? it I mean, that was the only time I've ever had that thought. I mean, it was mainly because I was reposting something with somebody else's watermark. Like if I had seen their watermark on it, on their page, I wouldn't have even thought about it. But because I was reposting it, I was thinking about it. And I was like, this is kind of weird because it's, yeah, it's weird, but <laughs> it's weird. but it wasn't, I wasn't offended or anything. And um, oh God. 
And also, you know, like, I think the fact that these meme accounts exist, like, is a huge honor and so enjoyable for us, um, as long as it's always really positive things. Yeah. Um, Like, yeah, I, I love all of the meme accounts. I've been really enjoying them. And it, it gives me a reason to get up and do it all over again, really. Do you ever think about that when you're editing? Like, oh, that would make a really good meme. Or somebody's going to yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I love that. I mean, there's so many creative minds. And I think if you're watching the show, you have to be at least a little bit like-minded. I hope you're yeah. we're like-minded when we're watching this show. Yeah. And that's why I feel like the humor is just so, it flows in and out so well. Like when we see something or say something, we're like, oh, yeah clap emoji clap emoji I hear you (laughs) yes that works so well and yeah it's really nice to hear that you guys enjoy the memes that we make because we have fun with it no I mean they're so great and and um you know I've never worked on a show before that had this kind of memory and uh, (laughs) it is one of my favorite parts of working on the show because I mean there's there's the Twitter the live tweets and there's the the memes and there's the recaps and there's the podcast recaps and like I have never worked on a show that had a fan base like this and it's been so so devastating to be reading more and more and hearing more and more like people upset at the show and oh I, I know I don't know if you have like thoughts about that but like am I just only hanging on to the negative and not seeing that because there is a lot of positive out there but like people seem to be upset at where the show's at and I feel like as editors and as a production team you know we have the footage we have and we do the best we can and it's like so discouraging to feel like a large portion of the fan base is saying this, we don't like this, whether no, whether it's the new cast or the fact that the old cast is in mansions or that people are working at Sir, they're not working at Sir or like the wedding or, you know, I, it's, I do have some thoughts on that because yeah. I, I listen to a lot of the podcasts that talk about it because I'm interested in what everybody's saying as well. I want to know what they think and how the show is going. And there are some podcasts out there that have more of a critical view, I feel, of the show, which are hard, harder for me to listen to because I enjoy the show so much because like I said the relationships are what I'm really interested in mm-hmm. whether they're whether or not they move I mean these people had to evolve there it's yeah. been 10 years we cannot right has it not been 10 years it has no. been I mean it's been eight years seven years. yeah so it's been a long time <laughs> Many, many years. And they have to evolve at some point in their lives because they're transitioning from their 20s to their 30s and different things are going to happen. You can't tell me in your 20s you were the same person as when you were in your 30s. Now, granted, they still party like they are in their 20s. They party hard. My liver hurts from watching them party. Oh, my God, yeah. I take, you know, like Advil before I watch the show just because I know I'm going (laughs) to have a hangover from watching it. So I understand that they still go hard, but... It's got to be tiring for them in a sense because they're they're changed people. Now, some of them have changed more than others because like Danny Pellegrino is always saying on his Everything Iconic podcast, he says, those brilliant Bravo editors did it again. <laughs> they did it again and they did this. So as far as a production standpoint, I think that editing is getting a lot of praise. But I think that most of the criticism I've heard is that the production team is too comfortable with the main members of the cast. But I think that the the characters are just evolving and changing. And when people change, the audience might not like that because audience 
audiences don't like change or more is coming out and the social media world is changing. People are changing in their mindset about how they particularly want to view something and they want to say something mm -hmm. about it because they don't want to sleep on it or make it be like, no, you can't say that. You can't do this. Like Jack, he's being called out more, which is great. I mean, he's always been called out, but I feel like there's more people watching the show and therefore yeah. more people are making a statement about how his actions and what he's saying are completely and totally uncalled for. Yeah. <laughs> And you're not going to get the same opinions about each cast member. I mean, you know, they always yeah. say how the cast members are edited affects the audience and vice versa. I think it's like this weird infinity circle that just keeps going around and around. And when they're not filming, they're still picking up feedback from Twitter and Instagram. And that yeah. creates friction and conflict and drama between them. It's nonstop. It's yeah, nonstop I mean, well, for them. It's interesting because as the audience has more and more of a voice in these people's lives, whether it's on their Instagram comments. If cast members choose to re read Reddit, and we know that Peter is on Reddit, but I, as far as the rest of the cast, we, you know, they're probably lurking if they're there. So they are affected by the words of the audience. And then they, as you saw with Britney's bridal party, she was very upset and it started off camera. It was hard to find the moment where it began because she was looking, they're told not to look at their phone, you know, while they're, while the, the cameras are on because we don't want them reacting acting to their phones you know it's it's not fun so she's off camera she looks at her phone she sees all the negative comments about her princess bridal party she starts crying it has affected her she's brings that emotion into back into the batting cages and she's upset and then Jax brings over the new information about Sandoval it blows up and it turns into a much bigger drama than I think it would have been if she hadn't already been upset about what she was seeing on Instagram from her you know followers and so we're all a part of her story and we're all a part of where this show is going so it's so interesting because you have like Ariana with her depression you can't help but think and I don't know this for sure that part of her depression could potentially be her feelings about the way the audience talks about her or the way her life is uh, scrutinized by the public and how that affects her moods and her depression. And so then it's a part of the story and, and we're telling that story without breaking the fourth wall. And, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to tell that story without acknowledging that the audience and the viewers and the commenters are all part of the story as well. And that's why I try to draw in like the image of the comment, you know, saying like, oh, you know, this is stupid or whatever like that. So you can see how we're all a part of this reality show and her reality and we're watching her and we're commenting and we're and then I personally am taking the parts that I think are the best story parts and presenting them back to the audience. And then they're reflecting on that again. You know, it's so like this crazy, we're all a part of it. It's just so like choose your own adventure kind of thing. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. And I've been hearing a lot of that, too, because uh, Kristen went on a podcast, Danny's podcast, Danny Pellegrino's, and he, she was talking about how she reads viewers' comments and she listens. And I think that is a huge question to people that follow them on social media because they say, oh, I followed them on social media and I saw their Instagram story, so I know exactly what's going to happen. It's like you mm -hmm. can't stop them from sharing that stuff. But does production have a quota of like saying don't show everything or else yeah. they're going to know? No, because uh, I think that's one of the main things we didn't have at the beginning of the show. Now yeah. that we have the social media and the exposure of that, maybe that has something to do with how the show is different in a way yeah. to the viewer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they do. But 
they like don't you know don't post until da 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 you know and they hold their photos from whatever event sometimes until it airs and things like that okay that that's one i don't know all the rules but the their vanderpump rules i don't either (laughs) yeah (laughs) chelsea from oh no bravo she had a few other questions that i thought were pretty you'll probably want to touch on this too is about the the controversy surrounding the pickup scenes with ariana's hair growing during her talk with lisa and is this standard like is this something that we just haven't noticed before well yeah i'm I'm going to comment on it based on like the fact that Ariana has already commented. She, she said that um, she acknowledged that we did do a pickup scene there. So basically what happened was we shot the original scene and when they, sometimes they go back and they shoot wide. So they finished their conversation and then the camera crew says, hold on, I'm going to get wides. And that's, that's a method that we use to, so that we can seamlessly portray the scene and we can kind of stop down for the interview bite in the middle and not see their lips moving back and forth. So it's, it's really, it's just a way so you can see where they're at. You can see like, you know, and so they, they keep talking because they are, they know that these are the wide shots and that what's really important has already been shot. And so in this moment, Ariana kept talking and, and she confessed something about her depression to Lisa that she didn't say when the cameras were close up on her face. And so they did go back and shoot just that section where she talked about that same issue that she had already said in the wide and she had already communicated to Lisa, but we didn't catch it full face. And they felt like it was an emotional truth that needed to be conveyed. And so they they did take that risk, hoping that people wouldn't notice. And, and they did um, because her hair was longer. And um, pickups happen, but they don't usually happen like that in the middle of a scene. But occasionally, in order to get the most truthful truth to the audience we will go back and fill in something that maybe we missed uh the first time around to get more of the truth across so it's not a scripted thing it's a okay we're gonna allow this person another chance to say what they were gonna say and um well it's a technical thing that helps their story yeah and yeah and i get why it was such a problem but I mean, that was more true to what was happening in the season than if we had left it out. And there would have been a huge gap of knowledge if Ariana's story had not been explained of like why she wanted to come back to Sir and what she was feeling. And like you saw it all come come to a head in, in this week's episode where she was crying. And she said, she, I want to leave my life, you know, and like, yeah, if if we had seen that scene and not heard her talking about her depression, you know, those are the kinds of decisions we weigh when we know the whole season story arc. And, um, and we're saying, okay, how can we make sure we're telling the the story so that the audience is seeing the beginning and the middle and the end. And so like, we know the middle and we're like, shit, we need a beginning. And so we go back and we shoot, we reshoot Ariana talking about that. So we can really see her face and see her talking about it. That's what that kind of thing is about. And, and they do happen in the season, but not in a devious way. Like it's to bring more truth to the story and to bring more understanding to the, the audience. It's not to hoodwink anybody and it's not to lie and it's not to script things. It's honestly like we are armchair psychologists in our edit bays. You know, we are trying to figure out why did this person do what they did? And then we're trying to bring that information that we've supposedly figured out. And we are, you know, so clever. We've figured out why Jax and Sandoval are having a problem, you know, yeah. and, bring that to you, so. and that's what we appreciate. I have a production background. And so 
that mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't bother me. I know exactly what's yeah. happening. So when I see someone or, you know, the audience getting really upset about it, it's just kind of, I want to be like, it's fine. It's fine. Move on, move on. Let's, let's get, let's get back. Yeah. To what you know, like a TV show is a fantasy. It's like, they do want it to be real, but like the reality is that it's three days worth of footage in 45 minutes. Even oh, yeah. if it were a documentary, it's still not real. Mm-hmm. A two hour documentary about a, something that happened over six months is not real. It's a story. It's a impression of what happened. So there's not that much difference between a documentary and reality TV in that way. You know, like we get so much shit for being like soft scripted or whatever, but like it's not. It's uh, bringing a truth to a story that is relevant and like relatable. So, and I think there's a lot of different people who are at the scene. The fight between Stassi and Sandoval, there was a lot of people there, and they have their own versions of Mm -hmm. what what was happening. And I've heard someone say, oh, they did that fight like six times and they would just get more wound up and more wound up. And then, and then finally did it, did this. And then you hear from other people who are like, no, they, they did it once. And that was it. Like it was really heated and it, it, they were talking for a long time and it just kept going up and down and up and down. But so getting the mixed information, it's like, there's so much information out there. Just watch the show and enjoy it. Totally. When you start diving in more and another reason, and why I think the show might be hitting more different criticism than before is that people have so much information to roll with and they're like, well, what what's real and what's not? But it's just a show. It's just entertainment. Let's just watch it and enjoy these people yeah. and Yellow Robe Smith and... <laughs> I love that that became a thing because I picked that that as like, we were like, what do we do with this? She's so wasted. My producer, Simone, was like cracking up every time we heard Yellow Robe Smith. And I was like, you know, if it's making her laugh, it'll make the audience laugh. And we put it in and it became a thing. And now it's emblematic of her like drunken self. And that just tickles me. I was personally like, they did this for me because this is amazing. (laughs) I I love this. Yellow Robe Smith. That's me. I'm Yellow Robe Smith. If I ever have too much drink, isn't it like an alter ego? It's perfect. Yellow Robe Smith is the the highlight of one of my watching that season because and the FOMO montage that you did. That one was season seven, episode 17, if I'm right. Yep. Uh, and so what happened? Did you just hear FOMO and you're like, oh, yeah, let's so make a montage. Were, so I was editing the scene and it was mainly guys farting on each other and they're talking about <laughs> FOMO and there's so much fun there's so many funny things in there but Sandoval did this thing and he you know and you saw in the footage he was like oh yeah I have FOMO too and you know and it just sounded so infomercially uh, or pharmaceutical commercial and you know that's how I like to come up with the what we call the out of the box moments which is when you step out of the scene and you you go into an interview and you you're kind of in people's heads and you do something fantastical that isn't really happening and so I took the idea, ran with it. I wrote a bunch of lines that would be in a in a pharmaceutical commercial. Who can who can pull these lines up? Like I mean, clearly that wasn't you know really Schwartz and Sandoval's truth there. So I'm not spoiling any anything by confessing that I wrote those lines. But yeah, I I, I wrote an idea. We we had it was like twice as long. I, it was outlandishly long. And I think the audience likes the out of the box moments. I appreciate the espionage one that you did with the <laughs> girl team for the the fuck yeah, jacks party. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, yes, that is who they are. And you just clearly <laughs> made it way more entertaining by, by showing us them that way. So thank you. Yeah, they're so and, fun to make. And and they always come from the original footage. So like I, you know, I try to just keep an open mind when I'm watching it. And I think, what else could I do with this? And and then something comes up. And then there have been some out of the box things that I've tried that Bravo looks at. And they're like, no, I made this um, Vanderporn fake page uh, for Sheena when she was faking her orgasm. It, it, fl- it said, oh, you know, uh, I feel like I'm watching a porn page. And it flipped over to sh- uh, a video of Sheena and she's doing her fake porn. And then I had like little boxes of her doing her other weird things from the past seasons where she's like grinding on the counter and like kissing Lala in the game. And I I made her into a whole Vanderporn thing. And they were like, "Uh, yeah, no. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Well, we want a whole YouTube series of those after the show. Like, that would be awesome. (laughs) Come on, Bravo. Get on it. We want to see it. We want all those out of the box moments on, Mm -hmm. on their own channel because they cut tension or do something that makes it yeah. our brains think differently or when they go back after their blackout moments and they're like yeah uh there was this uh there was a monkey uh penis flute um mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure somebody climbed a wall you know and rihanna rihanna yeah. i mean that yeah. was an out of the box moment that she was highlighting for you guys that's amazing yeah. were you guys like wow yes yeah no we freaked out so my boyfriend um used to be a reality tv editor we met on the job he was working on vanderpump rules that season and he did that montage and so when that happened wait sorry time out did you guys meet on the job like vanderpump rules job like they brought you two together we met at top chef oh, okay and- cool and so we worked on many different shows at the same time. We did, we did Shaws of Sunset together and I brought him on to Vanderpump Rules. I convinced nice. them to bring him on. And um, we had a great time. We like shared a wall and would rap on the wall. Um, and so he did that montage and we talk about it constantly. Like Rihanna, your best friend, Rihanna. When she posted it, she was like, I want to be best friends with this editor. And I was like, now best friends with Rihanna. So that's so cool. <laughs> you guys like hang out with Rihanna. It's cool. Yep. No big it's deal. Cool. And I love the celebrity following that Vanderpump Rules has. I think I it's, it is larger than we know and we think. And mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible to know that outside in that celebrity world. I know. It's, it's, it's really got fun. A cool feeling. Yeah. Because yeah, then you're, you know, you're a fan of somebody and then they talk about being a fan of, of the show that you work on. And it's like, or the show that you're watching. And it's like, wow, I stars, they are just like us. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you ever get some of the cast that come up to you and they say, um, why did you edit me that way? I am totally not like that. Like, how could you? Does it? Does it ever happen or are they not allowed to talk to you? Like, do you guys get like a screen? Uh, they don't really think about or talk to us at all. Really? That surprises me so much. <laughs> like, I feel like they should totally want to be friends with me. I know yeah. everything about them. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. Wait. Maybe that's why they don't want to be friends with me. Because <laughs> you know everything. You write a tell-all in the end. You're like, oh, oh God. Yeah. Like, it must be really creepy to talk to an editor who's been looking at your face, like, 50 hours a week. So, I, I guess I get it. For a while, I was like... I am going to totally be friends with Stassi. No, that didn't happen. Like I met her at the premiere parties and she doesn't uh, care. 
about me. Wow. Nor does anybody. Shocking. I feel like if I was on a reality show, I'd make best friends with the editors and be like, oh, yeah. Hey, you guys want shots, 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 shots. Like, let's talk. Let's do something. Because yeah, they do she know knew you what so was well. good for her. She'd befriend me because uh, my favorite game is um, finding all the embarrassing things that Sheena does <laughs> and putting them all in. You guys heard it here first. You understand. Wow, Sheena, come on. We just need to be friends. Can we all just get along? Yeah. Wow. No, I, really, I would keep doing my job, even if they were nice to me. We but, joke that uh, Sheena's memoir will be death by a million uh, embarrassments. And she takes them on the chin. Like, she's just like, oh, well, yep, uh-huh, that's me. And then I heard her on her podcast saying, the only thing that I'm really frustrated about is that they don't highlight all my success things that I'm like, I've got a podcast. I was in mm-hmm. Vegas. I do this. But the storylines just never go there for these cast members. But the new cast member, Dana, comes on and it's like, she's a comedian and she's so, you know, she's good at it because we've seen the comedian them do the comedian thing. And it, it really just, it was kind of cringy some of the <laughs> I, know, I wanted her to be funnier comedy is comedy hard. is hard and I don't think hers was half as bad as some of the other ones I think she actually did a, a fairly good job and I think some of the comedians yeah. might have been happy with it but I you have to tell some of her stories for for Sheena to say that because uh the first few seasons you know they did her music you know she had her dream of being a musician and, and they focused on that so that's you know so it's real. the same thing it's like Dana's Dana's an aspiring comedian. You know, that's along the same lines of what the premise of these actor waiters are, you know, that they're here to pursue a different dream and here they are in a restaurant. So I feel like she's just has short term memory because we've shown that's a lot a of her fair singing. point. That is a fair point. And I didn't think about that, but I was watching the previous episodes and her whole wedding was all about her. And yeah. The girl she wants to be, you know, so, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but I mean, she, I understand why she's bitter in some ways, you know, we do poke fun at her, but she's just so funny. She is so funny. She is so funny. Her talking about uh, Brett was going, you know, oh, I'm going to take out Charlie. And she's like, well, I think, you know, you need someone a little bit more mature. Mature. And I was like, oh my God, that's so good. And then they cut to him going over to Lisa Vanderpump's house. That is definitely someone more mature. There is some tension there. I don't know what is building up, but they're setting <laughs> us up for something here with Brett and Lisa Vanderpump. And I thought Stay about tuned. her other. Stay tuned. See, I knew it. Remember Cedric that she had on Beverly Hills, that oh guy God, that used to live yes. with her? And I went and I researched Cedric and I was like, maybe they just need like a young house guest to stay with them and hang oh, out. I'm not quite. I want I want to take those swans for a walk around the property, mm-hmm. hang out with Tony. So no, brilliant editing. We love Sheena because she does give us some good as gold moments. And let's just keep editing her the way that you're doing it. So yeah, <laughs> my friend Amy, who is the one who kind of pushed me to just get out there and start the podcast and Mm -hmm. uh, approach you, which I'm so thankful that you're doing this. You're amazing going out on a limb and coming on this with me, this journey. But she said (laughs) that she wanted to know what the juiciest moment that you edited, that something that really shocked you. Something that shocked me. Um, It's it's hard to say. I mean, there's so many. uh, yeah, there's so many. Every episode, I can think of things in every episode that I've done that are like just so beautifully dramatic and just a gift, you know. Um, and I think, you know, I really think that this 
pastor episode was right in the wheelhouse of where I like to be, which is that I love to explore religion and how it affects our worldview and our um, relationships. And I, I grew up really, really Christian, and I'm now not. I'm an atheist now. And um, it affects my worldview. It's affected my whole life. And the journey of that has been really important to me. So to land in the middle of this pastor um, debate was really, really interesting. We we talked heavily about um, what it means to be torn between your religious family and your um, more liberal city life and what that must be like for Brittany and trying to have empathy for Brittany, despite the fact that we had feelings about who was right in the situation. And I, you know, I, I personally felt like despite my feelings, I wanted to portray all sides of the argument so that people could decide for themselves. And that was really hard for me because I didn't want to favor anybody but my point of view. I don't even know if this is what, you know, satisfying as far as what you were asking. No, um, it is. It is good to know exactly how, how you would share that with the audience, because I think that there's different ways of looking at it in terms of them, like, but I never thought of the idea that how Brittany must feel torn about that city life that you're talking about and that her conservative family and how that's, yeah. that's probably tearing her in two different directions. Yeah. And we talked about like, well, this is happening across the country. Like I stopped going to Christmas and Thanksgiving because my Trump supporting relatives really like it, it tears me apart and it's hard to relate. So the feeling of like, okay, when you go home at, at, at the holidays, like, what is that like for you when you're talking to your family about their friends and, and you have this family friend who's a pastor and like, you want to include your family and their beliefs, but you also have this LGBT ally public persona. And like, how do you balance that for camera? Like, I'm sure that the things that they say at home are different than the things they say for camera. Absolutely. And, you know, and but that's also really relatable because we might censor ourselves when we're with our families at Christmas so that we don't start a fight, you know. And so in that sense, I relate with Brittany because I hold my tongue sometimes when things are said in front of me that aren't that I feel are are bigoted. So it's like we can sit here and judge her. But at the same time, a lot of us understand the complexity of it in our own personal life. So it's like I tried to come at it, although I think that the pastor was heinous and I don't think they should have hired him because of that I also can relate with her and so I wanted to delve into that and this the psychology of all of that so for me that is juicy you know that's juicy material yeah. where it like goes down layers and depths and then like um last season in in Mexico when Kristen was the Mariposa and she <laughs> wanted to be seen for her changes. And she felt like these guys get to grow. Why don't I get to grow? And although I think that that may or may not be true, like we do hearken back to just as many of the men's mistakes as the women's. She felt that we were get, we were giving, especially we as a production, we're giving the men more opportunity to grow than the women. So like delving into this idea of empathy and like bringing my ideas of feminism into the storytelling of these just barely woke, slightly kind of trying to woke cast members, you know, and trying to like draw out these stories of like uh, cultural depth from the stories of arguing over uh, past wrongs and things like that. It's like, you know, that to me is juicy. That's where I like thrive. 
And that's important to the audience. And maybe that's why it's bringing up a different viewpoint of the show, because people are like, yeah, bring that up, bring it out. Yeah, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about how it's wrong. But also, let's keep it a little bit light because it's for our entertainment. So in Mm -hmm. a sense, you putting Kristen in that batting cage with Ariana I think it's the first time I've ever seen them break you guys at a broke broken fourth wall during filming. And I was shocked. That I was, was a shocked. Huge win for me. Oh my gosh, did you fight for that <laughs> yeah. so hard? Yeah. Ariana had the sweetest moment with us. And we were I like, know. Yes, let's put her on a baseball card. She is her favorite athlete. Also, <laughs> that's me in a batting cage. So I relate to both of them. <laughs> Yes, I know. It was like, I was surprised that we were able to break the fourth wall like that. I wish we could do it more. You know, we really um, have a guideline to not do that. And um, it would certainly be a much more fun show for at least for a little while if we could break the fourth wall more. And some stories would be told um, in a different way. But I think once you break the fourth wall, it kind of can spiral and just become self-referential in a way where maybe it's no longer relatable. And so we, we do try to keep that fantasy up, but that was a really fun moment where they allowed us to let Ariana (laughs) kind of talk to us. We loved it. It was absolutely. And then I thought, you know, I hope this show never ends. I (laughs) don't care in which direction it goes. Keep showing me them when they're my you know because we're growing together let's just keep going and then if it ever did though I would love this behind the scenes documentary of the whole season a whole season and how it's yeah. made from start to finish I want to see the background I want to see producer Jerry I want to see you in a yeah. in, in an editing suite I want to see everything because yeah. I think that would be a great sweet moment for your audience to be like, look how hard it is. <laughs> look how hard we work for this because it's not easy. Yeah. It is not easy at all. And I think that it would just be a sweet ending to something, which like I said, I don't want it to end, but if it ever did, that would be the perfect homage. To I hope it never everybody. ends too. And in order to keep it going, I think, you know, we just got to keep interested and keep watching. Yeah. And yeah. I hope it doesn't end. I love no. working on it. And I, um, you know, I'm signing on for next season and, uh, yes. So there is another season. Well, <laughs> if I, there is, there is another season, but oh, okay. it's been officially greenlit. So, um, but we've yeah, kind of gotten the hint from Stassi when she's talking about filming and we saw producer Jerry with them in Italy for, yeah, they're definitely so planning for the next season, but yeah, um, that the budget has been approved but yeah, we're moving forward as if there's a next season. And I hope that it goes on beyond that. So, you know, I, we're, we're trying to evolve. We're trying to keep it going by introducing new casts or like trying new things. And, and we're kind of trying and failing and, you know, seeing where things are working and where they're not. And it's hard. It's hard with 19 cast members. So absolutely. I and I think that the new cast is bringing some fun moments. Charlie's turning out to someone who I didn't expect to be. That was, that was an interesting <laughs> moment that I saw. No avocado, like not even a little bit of avocado. Nothing. I don't know that I believe her. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I do either. We'll just have She's to watch also just weird. She's just like a very strange person. And sometimes we don't know what we're getting with her. She just says these things. We're like, what? We'll like go in and get interviews about boring things. And then she just says some crazy thing. We're like, that's 
bonkers and we just like put it in it's just oh bonkers. perfect keep putting it in because we are just <laughs> we're like huh well let's talk mm-hmm. about the music where can we buy the soundtrack for all the songs the 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 <laughs> intro songs leading in because we all want either a spotify of the music oh, or something because we need to know how you pick these beautiful and amazing <laughs> intro amazing. songs amazing my favorite game is to pick the most on-the-nose lyrics possible to lead into a scene. Okay. No, you can't buy them anywhere. They are oh, unique to the show. Uh, they they are in sure our are. Music library. A lot of them are written specifically with Vanderpump rules um, in mind. And so there's we a have, band? We, yeah, we have two different composer libraries. They bring us new things every season, and they're really, really nice and, and um, helpful. Everyone needs to know, who are these musicians? You should interview the... Um, the comp- one of the composers. I, oh, okay. I, uh, I would love to hear his process. I actually don't know. I, I know him because he comes in to check with me and see like, hey, what kinds of things are you needing? Like, what are you lacking? And he's super nice. Um, oh my gosh, please do. Talk, so um, I'm, I'd be interested. Okay, to- you're going to have to give me his information because I need to hear. It. The other thing I need to talk about are the disappearing street people because <laughs> I have made storylines for all of them. They what is are. What's your story? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Well, they're like, they live in an alternate universe and they're mm-hmm. like the bizarro world version of the characters on the show. There's Josh, who is a sweet Christian guy who wants to marry Lex, who is a wild country girl <laughs> who can't stop cheating on him. <laughs> um, Stacy, who hates ranch and refuses to watch any Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Uh, Caitlin, who is a fashion designer and works as a counselor for underprivileged kids, married to Sam, a madman type who takes full shots and wears tennis shoes. And these and people just disappear? And then they just disappear into the yeah. universe because they don't exist. But no, that they, the have, just, they, they live on in your mind. I love them. The, the yeah. little. So, we call it the ghosting. Oh, um, ghosting. There's a name for it. And I've talked to other fans about it. I was like, do you think I should make a montage of the ghosts? <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> just over the years, just like yeah. all of the ghosts that have appeared. Oh, so perfect. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about what you're working on now. Yeah, so I finished Vanderpump Rules, my time on it, about three or four weeks ago. I finished my episode 17. There are a few more editors still working on some episodes and they're still finishing up. Then I got a job at Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. There's another Vanderpump Rules editor on that and um, a couple other editors who've done different Real Housewives shows and a Real Housewives showrunner. And so we have people who have plenty of experience with the Bravo genre. And we're currently exploring the stories that have been shot in Salt Lake City. And luckily we are working with some, a lot of the production team from Vanderpump Rules. So it's very similar sensibilities as far as um, shooting style and production style. So, you know, but these women are their own totally different beasts. So despite it being like a bunch of Vanderpump Rules production people, we, um, you know, it's a totally, totally different kind of show. And, but also it's, you know, it delves into the religious side, uh, the religious side. So yeah, Sorry, for me, continue. it was like um, a, a, immediate attraction to work on that show because I, I I love I love all of that stuff. Yeah, you're talking about your the how you were a Christian and your family and now you're not and I just find that so it must really be interesting to you. It's interesting to me. I was friends with Mormons growing up and I was not hmm. Mormon. I had a bunch of Mormon friends and I loved the Mormon 
like culture, religion, like everything about it. But I never wanted to be Mormon. Like I didn't, the religion part of it never sunk with me and they never forced me. They never tried to indoctrinate me Mm -hmm. into being Mormon. Maybe they Mm -hmm. thought maybe, maybe she'll join us, but that (laughs) never happened. Like I was just like, I'm here for the parties and the fun and the Uh friends and the socializing and the, the camps and all this stuff. But Uh, I mean, so I have a a soft spot for Mormons in my heart. I think that they need their story told. And Mormons are great. They're fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're seeing, but maybe maybe you can tell a different story. But so far as I know. Well, it's it's about some Mormons and it's about some of the Mormon culture. And like, you know, I mean, I think a real Mormon, like a devout Mormon, probably wouldn't want to be on a show like that because... It's messy, you know, um, you're putting your messy life out there. And so you have Mormon 2.0 and things like that, where it's going to be, um, it's not just about Mormons. It's about the Mormon culture of Salt Lake City and how that influences even the people who aren't Mormon. And so, you know, the story is still developing. We're still shooting. And so I hope and pray <laughs> that, um, that it's going to be really great. We're working on that. So um, it's really fun. By any chance that you can share with us about when it possibly will air or not allowed? It's not. It's not that I'm not allowed. I really have no idea. Sometimes these first seasons take a normal amount of time to edit. And sometimes they encounter problems that stop it down. And and it just takes a a really long time. So the reason why it has no projected air date is because it's just way too early in the process to know. Like we could be wrapped up editing by June or July. Probably not. We could be it could drag into fall. So first seasons are really, really hard to predict. Oh, for sure. The wives are hard to predict, too, as we can see yeah. what's happening in the Bravoverse. It is, yeah. it is changing rapidly, and we are all just trying to keep up. I cannot, I went away for a week, and I came back, and my head was exploding. I was like, what happened? I, like, made sure that I got to watch your, <laughs> your episode that you did because I really wanted to see it, so I, like, figured out a way. Um, but other than that, I was just out of the loop completely with yeah. everything, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to catch up. I have to catch up. The main point of my show, Twisted Plot Podcast, is to mm-hmm. put a plot twist on a movie or show or something that you're interested in, even your life, whatever you want to do. But for, for the sake of Vanderpump Rules, I would love if you gave us your best, most outrageous plot twist for this show, for this season, just to take us out on a super high note. Plot twist that I make up out of my mind? Or yes. One that, okay. Yes, absolutely. Something that you season? just... Yeah. Got it. My favorite okay. plot twist. Okay. All right. Plot twist is that Katie and Tom Schwartz find out that they are not actually married. And instead of renewing their vows, they uh, decide to split up. And oh. Tom Schwartz sweeps Tom Sandoval off of his feet. <laughs> they move into Tom Sandoval's empty house together and furnish it <laughs> as a very wonderful LGBT couple would. Ariana, freed from her empty mansion prison, looks to Dana for comfort. They look deeply into each other's eyes and they say, oh, fuck that guy, Max. Uh, Seems like kind of a dick. And then they run off together and uh, we have a really, really awesome LGBT cast all of a sudden. But also the true love is evident. We've got the Toms finally together and we've got Dana and Ariana who just to me seem like a match made in heaven. And um, 
everybody pretty much lives happily ever after, Katie takes her knitting to the max and um, starts her very, very successful knitting Etsy store and, and finds happiness there. So everybody has a happy ending. But um, but the audience would just lo- really, really love it if the Toms finally got together. So Oh my gosh, we're rooting for this. That's, that was the best plot twist. I think that mine was along similar lines for, for the situation. And I really appreciate that you feel the same way about the Toms coming together. Their love, mm-hmm. even my husband's like, they love each other so much. Like, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's like Tom Schwartz crying to Sandoval over not going and Tom Sandoval saying that he would Honestly, tie all the bow ties. Like I don't think there is another show on television that portrays male friendship and love the way this show does. And I think, God, like I'm so grateful that this show portrays it that way because it's beautiful and it's and men should feel free to love each other without people speculating about their homosexuality. But because the way that these two men love each other is so beautiful and, and, and like true and honest and innocent and like, I mean, not, and not innocent, but like beautiful the way a friendship should be between men, just like women feel comfortable doing it with each other. These yeah. men do feel comfortable. And I think that is so beautiful and like progressive. I love it. I'm here for it. And I want to see more of it. Never, never stop showing us those moments between <laughs> Certainly those, those beautiful Toms because they are so magical. Well, thank you again for coming and chatting with me. Thank you for listening to me ramble about my favorite subject. (laughs) Will you please come on again so we can ramble some more? Because I would uh, love to. Perfect. Okay. So can you tell everyone, because I'm sure they're all going to have plenty of questions for you, where they can find you on social media. Give us a shout. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at re.dellinger. I'm on Twitter, but only kind of. I don't remember my handle. I I only go on to retweet other people's tweets about my episodes. So, you know, (laughs) in between the years in between the episodes like there's nothing there it's just a bunch of nothing you can find me there i'm i, pro- I probably will answer nobody ever messages me so that's just how me you and i'm I- just the one yeah <laughs> i'm like i have one fan so that's me <laughs> and so no i mean i i love compliments i love uh people praising my fomo everyone was really excited when i told them i was like i'm gonna interview an editor and they're like an editor for what? I'm like, our favorite show. And everyone was like, wait, what? (laughs) I want to know everything. So I'm really looking forward to everyone to get a chance to hear all your thoughts and sharing with us what you have about the show, because we all love the show. And if you don't just buy, because yeah, definitely want to keep watching. Well, great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to Twisted Plot Podcast. Uh, today, I have one of my OG guests of my eight-episode podcast series that I've put out so far. She is a master in the art of television editing. She's worked on a number of different Bravo shows. You've heard her on this podcast before. If you've been listening from the beginning, she edits our favorite Vanderpump Rules show. And I have to say that every episode that has gotten major, major praise this season so far, you've had a hand in it, we'll say, um, either by your episode completely or just um, helping out. I'm starting to gain a better understanding of the quality and effort of work you put into, and I'm just really, really enjoying it. So she's hilarious. She's charming. And she's the number one girl in my group. Uh, welcome back to the Challenger. <laughs> Um, things are a lot different from the last time that we chatted, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, we're much further into the season. We're much further into our friendship. 
Yes. And I'm so happy about that. It's just been such a fantastic journey for us this 2020, I would have to say. Yeah, we got along so well for this podcast. That was the first time we ever talked. Mm-hmm. And we had been messaging on Instagram before that. And then we really clicked. And then we now we talk on the phone occasionally. And mm-hmm. we almost, I mean, we almost quarantined together. Not basically, really, but... yeah, we're basically quarantine friends. Like, that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And, and how in my life wants to talk about Vanderpump Rules as much as I do. So I can our... relate. I can relate to that completely. I had a Zoom call this weekend with my family, as you know, and basically they're all like, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah, it's about Vanderpump Rules. And all of them kind of tilted their head, except for my number one support supporter in this because she watches the show too so she got my brother to watch which is fantastic thank you so much debbie i really appreciate it so i had to give her a shout out and the rest of you family i hope you start listening soon because i'm gonna start talking about you okay just um (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna lead with that for them i'll send that sound bite to them we can just pretty much actually i want to hear your take on the response from the show so far uh, what you've been feeling the response has been up to now, because I think it's a little probably different from when we first chatted, you know, nine weeks ago to to now. So what do you think? Well, when we last chatted, it was people were up and down on the show and they were really dreading the wedding. And now the wedding has passed and we're in the aftermath of Jackson, Brittany longer, no longer being the center of attention, which um, people seem to be enjoying. In fact, we had an episode without them in it altogether. And, and you know, it's just sort of testing it out, seeing how do we like this show without mm. uh, a couple of these cast members. Yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride. I had to stop reading Reddit. I really felt like the amount of negativity has been hard for me to read. And I, I, I get some of it. You know, I get that people wish that it was the show that it was season six. But following these people in their real lives, like, it's just not always as exciting as Jack's cheating on Brittany in episode one. You know, like, it's much more for telling a ton of stories. People are happy or unhappy with that. And it's also not as huge and dramatic. It's a little bit more real housewives in that it's about the nuances of friendships. And so people have had really mixed opinions about who they like, who they hate. And it's been less of like enjoying each episode as analyzing, did I hate this or didn't I hate this? And frankly, that's a little hard to read about because we put a lot of thought into how to present the things that happened. And so I've had to take a step back from Reddit and Twitter just because it can be overwhelming. And I was really rejuvenated by the last time we podcasted together. And I it just felt so much appreciation and love some of the best episodes that i have ever seen in this show when i'm watching i'm like god you know if i could just meet one of these editors and then it happens to be the person that i'm talking to right now which is just amazing like it's it feels like a dream come true because when i see these episodes and those out of the box moments and i know it sounds like i'm blowing steam but i just want you to know that you are appreciated and your editing and what you do for the show it because you care and i've told you this before you can see that you're trying to look through the the lens of the audience if you will just what we're seeing as well since you do love the show and that's Mm -hmm. noticeable i think it's really apparent that you are paying attention just more than somebody who is just there for the money so ultimately i love this show so as long as they shoot it and they want to hire me i will i'll keep doing it because 
It's fucking funny. It's a fucking funny show. It's a very funny show. Can we all agree on that, you guys? Especially after last episode. So many funny moments. I'd like to get into a couple of them if we can. Um, One of them that stood out to me was this moment where Peter was very concerned if Dana knew where table 15 was. (laughs) And his concern about it, he went live today. I tried to tweet at Peter to find out what happened with table 15. Like, who doesn't know where table 15 is? Was this like a whole conversation that was had? As far as table 15 or 13 or whatever it was, the moment itself was a funny argument between some of the employees where uh, someone didn't know Table 15 who was testing Dana, like, well, do you know where it is? And that just to kind of you get the feel as you're walking through and you feel like you're there. Yeah, I felt like, like I was there. And I figured that was kind of it, but I wanted to know who didn't know. And now when I go to Sir... Okay, I'll be honest. It was Raquel. Oh, no! Not our Raquel. She didn't Raquel. know at one point. And so they were having an argument about whether Raquel should have known. And so he was quizzing Dana. <laughs> and I just used the one moment. It was Raquel, though. <laughs> I'm I love her, too. Especially after the Grand Jeté of this episode. She, oh is, she yeah. is the Grand Jeté. So, okay. Table 15. That's going to be my official table when I go there next time. The next thing that really made me jealous was when DJ James Kennedy came in. And they were all hugging each other. And I just missed... Hugging people and my friends and like those moments Aww, and yeah, all of it. Hugging people too. Do you feel that when you watch shows back now and you're looking at them yeah. and you're like, oh, God, we used to have it so good going to restaurants and being in the same atmosphere as one another and just breathing the same air and hugging each other and high fiving. Like going up to somebody and like wrapping your arms around them and sharing your face. Like doesn't that feel like yeah. a year ago that we did that? I want to know how far in advance the crew gets to be at Lisa's house taping before these parties because is it really her cooking all that food? I I wish I had a fun answer for this. I I mean it was cheese boards and then there were <laughs> there, it was like a series of plate there was a salad, cheese board, there was a caviar. Oh, that was just know, like small saying, plates. It was just I like think not. It was kind of like a series of small plates, and I, I think her. She definitely had some staff doing it. She said that she had been. I don't know. I actually, I have not um, investigated the veracity of the okay. plates that she cooked. I, I, I assume she didn't, um, but I don't have yeah. any proof of that. She no. always like makes it seem like she cooks uh, every single meal that she does, which is just. I think there's a servant's kitchen somewhere, like because uh, they. I did see shots of like. They were plating the dishes somewhere, some other mysterious room. And bringing them and when, Yeah. And when she, when Lala and Katie came into the kitchen, there was nothing happening in the kitchen. So that means that all the food prep was happening somewhere else. So there's like a servant's kitchen somewhere in a villa. I was impressed by Schwartz's um, seven course switch that he was trying to do for the cast because yeah. some of those meals, I mean, let's get him back into Tom Tom in the drawing board and get him to do mini cast iron fajita plates because I think that that would really go down well at Tom Tom. It just seems yeah, like a Tom Tom dish. His list of dishes actually went on for twice as long. Like he had <laughs> like, oh, there's a dish inspired by our trip to Japan. There's a dish, and it was sort of like we just had to pick and choose the things that we included in there for the impression of like how long he went on and on about his life. 
And uh-huh. um, he actually went on a lot longer with even more lies. So it was amazing. <laughs> but I think we can all see that he is a very good liar. I don't know if it was Ono Bravo or somebody who pointed it out, but great all liar. The detail. The details that, oh my gosh. Rolling off his tongue, no like Super convincing. Nothing. Nope. Like, and poor, poor Sandoval's like, God, I was really looking forward to that stuff. They all were. They were all really bummed out. And so, great job, Schwartz. You bamboozled them again. Danica telling Peter that Stassi was engaged was chilling to me because he really had no idea. He had no clue at all. Nobody mm. told him. Nobody called him. And hearing it from Danica, I think, was a little bit of a shocker. A fun little extra bit that was in there, deleted scenes, um, that ended up on the cutting room floor was a bit where he and Danica talked about how he wanted to be a bachelor for life. And because oh. she was like, oh, you're next. You'll be engaged next. And he was like, haha, no. I don't know how people get along with other people. I'm a bachelor wow. for life. Like, it was very just, like, weird. And it's like, wow. this person is declaring that he would never want to live with somebody because he doesn't get along with people. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know how people get along together. All of those worlds. He's working all the time. That's because he's working all He's married to Sir. That's his wife. Sir is his No, wife. but I think he's also, like, a little weird. No. Have you seen any of his lives he's a totally normal guy he just <laughs> drinks with peter every day at three o'clock i will i get my bling like alert peter's live again and oh he just God. goes live with people it's pretty fascinating actually i mean who's thirstier who's thirstier brett or peter Ooh, well i would have to say peter because he's really going hard for those live Exactly. Uh, Peter yeah. To not even watch the show. So Peter's just in it for the attention for himself, not because he's a part of the cast. He doesn't consider himself part of the cast because he refuses to watch the show, according to his own claims. And maybe he's amended his way since then, but like, or since the last time when he said that. But I met him at a premiere party a couple of years ago and he was like, I don't watch this show. Really? Oh my gosh. Get out of here. He watches. He just said that. Of course abide. he watches. I cannot abide. What? If you watch the show and you're on it, I cannot abide. No. It's declared she doesn't watch anybody's scenes but her own. Jax claims he doesn't watch the show. Peter claims he doesn't watch the show. To me, this is your job. And I know it's not actually Peter's job, but he is part of the cast. But like, yeah, he's also a manager at Sir. So I would give him a little more leeway, except for how thirsty he is. He's mm-hmm. always trying to be on Reddit. He's always trying to like, get fans to give him attention but he doesn't do the work like he doesn't put in the time with the cast and he doesn't put out drama for the cast to be on the cast and he doesn't even watch the show which to me is an offense like i'm an editor i am also a super fan of the show i personally find it offensive when anybody doesn't watch the show yeah like it's not just about like the cast but i'm like you you don't watch fantasy rules like fuck you (laughs) <laughs> no, that's fair if he's on it as much as he is as well. I mean, it makes sense that he didn't know what I was talking about when I messaged him on his live about the Table 15 thing. He yeah, just, exactly, because he, <laughs> he didn't watch it. Exactly. He scrolled up, he was commenting on everybody else's comments, and then I said, hey, t- Peter, what's up with Table 15? Nothing. Not even a word. Nothing at all. No, because he doesn't know what you're talking about. Nothing at all. No idea. He's like, I know we're he just wants attention. That's all. He does not earn it, uh, though. Don't uh, get me started on Peter. 
I mean, I think it's clear that um, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I'll put him in the show. I think he's hilarious. Like, I have no problem. Like, I'm not trying to cut him out or anything. You know, like oh. I had this whole scene with him where he was like declaring his bachelor dumb and stuff, and like I thought it was really funny. Like, he's funny, a funny clown. You know, I was mm-hmm. a side gag. Uh, so you know, it's just in terms of social media. But I roll my eyes. I hear you. Well, social media is a big part of this show, especially now. Wasn't before, but I feel like it is way more now. Um, yeah. Let's get to the proposal. Yes. This proposal was, I, I heard a podcast today and they were under the assumption, and I think I've heard it kind of back and forth on other people's, you know, opinions about it. Did Stassi know? Did she not? Oh, she couldn't have known because she threw the biggest tantrum last week. And this week, it's totally different. Uh, I mean, the next day, you know, did she was she trying to make it up for him by making macaroni and cheese, uh, cassiole pepe, and hot sauce style, or what? Like, what was what was happening? So she was she trying to kiss up because would she usually do that, or would she really stick with her guns and be like, no, you you did this and blah blah blah. Oh, just and really quick was was Jax and Brittany at the wine party? That is a question from Jackie from uh, Bravo Liter- Literary Society, and she wanted to know that. Um, probably they were there. I don't know that for sure because I didn't edit that scene. Got it. Okay. It's it's possible. It's possible they were there. It's also possible they were not there. I don't know. Okay. The proposal itself was it a surprise for her? Was it really so, like a surprise? Debate. This was even a debate in production. Like, <clears throat> my showrunner asked me, "Great, did she know? Tell me your real opinion." Wow. When I was editing it, like he was like he didn't even believe that she didn't know. Like that she would. He thought, well, she'll have some like suspicion, and she like was playing it off. So of course, there's. It's natural that there's doubt about her. I have seen the raw footage and I personally believe that she was tricked and she did not expect it. Okay. Evidence A is the Jean Shorts. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never would she ever. Okay? True. Like, never. Fair. She would never. Never. Mm-mm. However, maybe she wanted to play like she didn't know and that's why she wore the Jean Shorts. Okay. Evidence B is that I've seen the raw footage and I do not think that she knew. <laughs> Oh. testimony of, of it. Um, it also doesn't fully matter except for that, you know, you want to believe that someone's really surprised if they're acting surprised. And so there's a lot of stuff online about like, oh, she's a bad actress because that, she totally obviously knew. But she I, was shaking. Her hand was physically was, shaking. She was yeah. shaking. And <sighs> she was so excited. And like, they didn't do multiple takes. They did like a drone shot at the end where they just embraced and we had it together. We did no pickup. Like it was all in the moment. So this one moment happened where I'm watching the footage and I'm cutting, it was the first thing I cut together from the episode. We, we, sometimes before we have the story structure, we say, Oh, well, what scenes do we know for sure are going to be in the show? And that editor gets started on that before all the string outs are ready. That's because I was kind of ahead. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I have a couple of days in between my notes for episode seven. So let me move ahead and work on episode 17. So I started working on the proposal and I'm looking at the raw footage and I cut the whole thing from the raw footage. And um, so I watched everything. I watched the whole thing. So he's proposing to her. And in this moment, 
that I wanted to show because to me it was so emotional. She looked over at the producers who she's developed relationships with over the last eight years. You know, mm-hmm. like this is a natural relationship you develop. You work closely with people. You have to negotiate with them about all the vulnerabilities in your life. You develop relationships. Mm-hmm. And so she's actually very close with all of them. And that's not, uh, Jeremiah wasn't even there, producer Jerry. He wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It was Jenna. It was Jess. It was Michaela. Like all of these people who are producers on the show. And um, she looked over at them and the camera people and the audio people. And they were all there. She looked over at them. And she just goes, she looks right at the camera and she goes, and she's like had so much emotion and she wanted to share it with the only people, only friends who were there to witness it, which was these sort of friends. and it's the producers oh and they, and the camera stayed on them and the producers ran over and hugged her and she's crying in their arms. And like, it was such a beautiful moment. Like, honestly, like I don't, did like you cry? Did I you? did. Yes. I, did. I teared up. I was like, I'm going to include this, but I knew that we don't break the fourth wall. So I knew, yeah. well, there's enough emotionality here that I don't have to push for this. Like there is enough emotion here without that. But like, had there not been, I would have pushed to put that in because it was such a real moment where she wanted to like share with somebody mm-hmm. this moment that had just changed in her life and none of her friends were around. So she was sharing it with the producers and, um, and it was a really beautiful moment that um, I think all of them got to share was like, oh, these are the first people who know that I got engaged and my dreams just came true. And then, of course, she called Katie and Lala and like um, got to share with them in that way. And um, but like, the people who were there were, were co-workers, you know, that is so sweet. That is yeah. really nice to hear and nice to know. And I hope one day we do get to see that footage in like some type of secrets revealed or something like that, because I think that that's so special too. Like I hope Stassi gets to see it too with, with yeah. Mo. You know, because I'm sure I, I wish I could go back in time and see the footage of my engagement and how oh, it happened yeah. because yeah. I don't remember what happened. And it's <laughs> such a special moment, you know, and even if it's in a mausoleum, you know, when they're looking mausoleum shopping or whatever, or if you're at Splash Cafe, whatever that cafe was on the beach that Jackson yeah. got proposed to, uh, Jack said for Brady. Yeah, that seems Yeah, that one. Um, those are moments, like such sweet moments that are recording all this stuff for the rest of their lives. And yeah. it's, I appreciate that for what it's worth. Somebody's putting some extra time and effort. Like, I would want to know who was editing my episode of the day I got engaged because that is a special <laughs> yeah. moment, you know, and you were actually living that moment with them and trying to um, configure this to show to the world. So it is a special thing to do for someone. And wow, it's just thank you because it was very emotional and I did tear up not once, but twice in different <laughs> parts of the yeah. So well, it, was and it was really touching. great to read on the internet. Like as I was watching the Twitter feed roll in, people being like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that I would be emotional about this, but I am. And like rooting for her and them and feeling their love. That's what I wanted. Like I wanted to portray her as like genuine and, and that like because I feel it as genuine when I watch the love footage. Like the, the chemistry between them is genuine like I feel it when I watch their scenes and so the the challenge is 
to narrow it down and to portray what I'm seeing in the raw footage to the audience. Like, I'm not twisting it. Like, they're, they're a really cute couple. They're really mm-hmm. likable. I've seen a lot of anti-bow sentiment this season, which really surprises me because he is a really sweet partner. And I honestly don't think that he's in it to get famous. Like, he is an actor, but, like, that that just means he's well-suited for um being on camera. You know, because the thing that he's portraying is his real life. And that's different for him. And so, although he's an actor who wants fame via acting, he's now stumbled into fame via his real life. And that's a really really vulnerable place to put himself in. And it's all because he loves this person who's on TV. And so, he's really put himself out there. And I think he deserves more credit than what he gets. Because he is not getting the paycheck Saucy's getting. He does not have a book deal. He's just like a supportive husband and like what powerful woman doesn't want that? You know, absolutely. Any career woman who doesn't want to be like pigeonholed the way maybe their mother or grandmother was (laughs) into a non-career role. Like, and of course being a mother is totally a career and it's unpaid labor. And I fully respect that Mm -hmm. as its own job. But if you are a working professional woman to have a man who supports that instead of antagonizes you for it or feels threatened because of it is a gift. And so I think the fact that he is so supportive of her is undercredited this season. He's really likable. I like him. He fully is supporting her. And he showed us that when she came to apologize and he was like, okay, you know, like I understand you were having, he was also going to propose to her that day, but still, you know, to get over those little things, he knows exactly who she is. He, he yeah. does know exactly who she is. And he's willing yeah. to take her for every bit of her. And that's love, baby. You know, that is, that is love. And she's not a monster by any means. I mean, I think that she has her monster tendencies, mm-hmm. definitely. But I mean, and they've definitely been shown on the show. But together, they definitely have this chemistry. It works. It works really well for them. And I think that they laugh a lot. And I'm happy to see that. And and they're very passionate. Yeah. And so they might argue a lot, but I think that he can really de-escalate her positively yeah. because his mom is a therapist. And so he knows what's going to, you know, shake things up more and what's going to chill things out. And he's patient with her, which is very appreciated because that's what she needs. She needs yeah. that. Yes, absolutely. And, and I watched the after show and the story that they told about what happened after the wine party meltdown is exactly what they have been saying from the footage from that day because I picked up the footage the day after the wine party and which was the proposal day and so of course there was like how did this happen you know and so we had to tell the story of like well Katie and and Lala texted and emailed me and told me to calm down and I did and he came home that night and we repaired and then the next day we kind of continued repairing and then we went Mm -hmm. mausoleum shopping Obviously, Bo, in Bo's mind, it's like, I, we have to repair quickly because he's right. not going to like dissect why she did what she did, da, 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 because he wants to propose. Right. Like he has a plan. <laughs> and there's a whole camera crew set to go out. Like, it's not like you can just postpone a day. That's so um, fun. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, he's going to be extra forgiving in the moment. And like, he also knows that she is having emotional issues around the proposal. And this is why he's acting out. So he's like super forgiving. And she is being coerced by her two friends to let it go. And she let it go. And it worked out for her. You know, like, had this been a year ago, 
maybe she wouldn't have been able to let it go and it would have been a longer drawn out thing and ruined the proposal. But it would have been really sad. Or like maybe Katie could have turned the other, she could have been like, yeah, I mean, why was he doing that? Like that is so messed up. You know how your friends kind of hype you up sometimes? Yeah. Like what's happening there? But nope, they were like, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're, you're blowing this out of proportion. It's, it's yeah. whatever. Just get over it. Which is yeah. not something, you know, on the reality show spectrum i think that like i don't know this whole thing with katie and Kristen and stassi and oh i really want to talk about ghost Kristen. okay yeah Kristen was not at the uh proposal party uh it wasn't was it an engagement party no because they had an engagement party okay it was like a engagement celebration because they had an engagement party i think in like september or something like a right. real one yeah, so, and Kristen was not there, which was a decision made by Bo, really, because he was the one putting everything together. Um, yeah, but I think Stassi made the final call, you know, like, in that moment where he was like, hey, so the argument yesterday, you know, in the car. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, so the argument yesterday. And she was like, no. You know, like, mm-hmm. full. She knew what it was now, and she was like, yes, I hear you. I get it now. No, I don't want her there. So I still think that it was Sassy's call because I think if that that moment she was like had wal- uh, had faltered, I think they would have just called Kristen and had her come over. Yeah. You know? So I do yeah. think it was fully Sassy's call in the end. And he listened. He listened and to he her listened. and and he took that and they had a great day at Villa Rosa. So you made a amazing montage of Ghost Kristen who Ariana was seated next to. And at first I was like, why is there a seat empty there? And uh, what is going on? Was that your idea? Or, like, how did that come about? How did this so whole ghost Christmas story? Like- I knew that there was a seat, right? Like they had set a seat for some reason. And I don't know how they decide who's sitting where, but it has somewhat to do with the cameras. You know, they place people together based on the conversations they expect will be happening for camera. For example, Lala and Randall were down at the end of the table with Lisa and Ken because they have a lot in common because they all have private jets. I don't know. Right. Um, and that's to do. And then the others were at the other end. And so there was an empty chair. And I'm looking through the interviews and Ariana had this bite that just <laughs> it was what it was in the cut. Like I just saw it and I was like, well, this writes itself, you know? Yeah. And so then I just, we had the little moment where she's like, ooh, the chair there, blah, blah, blah. And, um, so I just kind of put together and then it was, it, it, it all kind of fell together and the footage just asked me to make that and I just made uh, it. Like oh. the universe called and I answered, you know? I mean, so thankful. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, you know, I didn't ask Ariana to say anything like that. Just organic. She's like, thing. I put the footage over it and I got the fun part that I got to do was play with the flashbacks and uh, find a funny way to kind of make it flicker in and out and as if she's a ghost there and, and put oh, the funny so music good. under it. But like it was almost Ariana who wrote it, you know, like I don't know if she imagined it truly when she was sitting there. It felt like she did. She did a great job. You guys both that. worked really well together. What a collab. It was really perfect. Yeah. So it was our collab. Yeah. You and Ariana just had some really like moments there. So we're very thankful for that moment. But, um, I don't know her personally or anything. 
You will now. I'm going to put this. I'm going to tweet at her. I'm going to tell her that this is the best collab she ever did because this was some amazing work. And there's a lot of ghost work this episode, I feel like, with um, the ghost outfit. Well, Sassy loves murder and death, I just found out about mm. ghost outfits, so I was spiraling into what I was going to wear. I imagine it would be some type of athleisure wear, just like I'm wearing now. I want to be comfortable. <laughs> I want to be... You know, when I'm traveling from place to place to hunt people, I definitely want to make sure that I'm... I, like, either stretchy jeans or leggings, um, and then, like, some kind of casual but cute top. Like, maybe, like, oh, like a like a button-down blouse or something. Oh, nice. Kind of like, kinda like, you know, like, I'm going on a safari slash just going to work, but, like... But you could go on a safari. You can go haunt a safari. You can go haunt your work. You could go haunt a... Cocktail yeah. party, whatever because you want to do. I'm going to be a ghost. Like, no, do I want my skirt like catching on on my? Feet? No, when absolutely. When I try to float up upstairs and stuff, like, no, no. I... And then somebody might step on it when you're going up anyway. So, disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, ghost outfits. Okay. And then you had this moment that you cut where um the boys are cheersing, saying, you're part of the club. And Sandoval goes, wait, I'm not there. I can't say yeah. And then Ariana says, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet to notice all my little stuff. <laughs> Oh, I definitely noticed. I was like, oh, that was just like music to my ears. <laughs> that was so perfect. What the timing was just amazing. So <laughs> you found that. I did you, purple. Yes. Yes. I told you before, it's like an Easter egg hunt for me. And I go and I look for these little tiny things that you do because I feel like you're doing them for us to find. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Sheena hitting on. Uh, Nikolai, it does seem a little young, uh, but she said 21 <laughs> would be her youngest, but, and I'm it imagining, was so, <laughs> it was so funny, like, we, so we were watching the scene, and we're like, okay, like, this is over the top, I realized that, and, like, we're like, but how can we resist? Like, she's <laughs> the one who was flirty with him, and yes, I said it to funny music, and added a funny bite. But she did that. Like, she was making really uncomfortable eyes at him. Oh, it was very funny. And it was a moment that she did all on her own, right? She Another did. collab. When she had a collab, she did it. And she did it without without self-awareness. It was different from my collab with Ariana. Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> Tina, I think, of course, I think her intentions were completely innocent in making conversation with Nikolai. Um, and... Her go-to just happens to be like like Ramona from Real Housewives of New York. Mm -hmm. Her go-to is just flirty. Like she just can't help it, and so she's talking to Nikolai, and she can't help being flirty with him. It's gross. It's weird. <laughs> but like, do I think she was really trying to flirt with him? No. But like, it was pretty funny. And then the question we asked her in the interview was like, "How young would you go?" And we didn't tell her that it was for the Nikolai scene, of course. And we just you know, you juxtapose these things and it's funny. She, of course, yeah. was not thinking that we were asking about Nikolai, but we were. <laughs> um, so just without knowing. Oh. And she told this story about this twenty, this college boy she hooked up with once and, and, and then it, she, it taught her not to go younger than 21. And, um, it was just right. very funny to juxtapose. And I think the whole audience knows that Sheena would never actually hit on a child. 
and um, that that was not her intention. No. And so it was, it's fun to play with those moments, but of course, like, we're not expecting that um, anybody believes that Sheena is actually hitting on Sassy's little brother. No, and but, it's, you know, maybe she, she well, loves the attention, so, you know. She does. She loves the attention. That's as simple as it is. Like that, and she is, she is funny, people. She, Sheena, you are hilarious. I know you listen to this podcast. I know you do. You are funny. You, you are hilarious and we love you for that. And just, She's I just so want funny. her to just release that self-conscious anything that you hold on to. It is not against you. You have been in every single episode. I have seen you. Yeah. You're not Jackson, Brittany. They did, they, you know, they, they want to pay you. They want to pay you to be in all the episodes. So please, 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 mm-hmm. please, please embrace this comedy that you bring to us, this gold that you bring, this good as just gold. Just by being herself. Like, yes. Just she just, no, nope. be herself. And then that's she it. Just is funny. Just that's like it. Raquel. Like, I think Sheena and Raquel, like, they're just themselves and they are funny. You know, like someone like James, like he sits down in the chair and he's like, I'm going to be funny and he's funny, but he's right. trying to be funny and then he is funny. Yeah. Like Raquel and Sheena don't have to do that. They just are themselves and it's funny. Which We're is, laughing with them. We are. The glory of a, of a reality star, right? Just yeah. be yourself. Just go out there and give them all you got. Put me in coach, right? Yeah. Speaking of baseball, let's yeah. get into it. Yeah. Now this baseball game softball game whatever you want to call it this battle of the restaurants this was a large portion of the episode and i noticed it you know as i was going i was like oh this lasts kind of a long time and i wasn't sure how it was going to be because usually the games or whatever they play you know the places they go to in production um they don't go there for very long like the axe thing was a couple minutes and um Mm -hmm hitting things, breaking things. That's yeah. just a few minutes too. So, and I can't really remember, you would know about a time they competed like this ever. They've never Have done they? anything like this. Never. No. Okay. And, and everyone had so much fun doing it. They, um, they said, well, we can't wait to do it again next season because it was such a success. Like as far as really great fun, like I'm yeah. not a sports person. I hate sports. And so when I found out I got an engagement and a sports game, I was like, really guys, can I really? And, That's easy. Um, and you don't even like them. Like, and you still put out all this great content like with it. Yeah. I don't like sports. And wow. Yeah, it was such an entertaining episode to edit because the, the engagement and the engagement party all really just like happened quickly and fun. And it really filled out the whole first half of the show. And then the baseball game just filled it out. And, and I thought it was such a great metaphor for some of the things that were happening um, in the show already. And, and it included, it was such a great way to have an ensemble kind of experience where we were really utilizing the full cast. So aside from the, you know, there were a few people who weren't in the baseball that, game because they don't work at the restaurant, but. That is an excellent point because that really brought them all together in one yeah. area and one space. And yeah. wow. I, like I had no idea. A shout out for specifically for those people who've been like, Shayna is carrying the show on her back and you guys always make fun of her. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, her scenes get laughs because she's funny. Second of all, we really allowed her to shine in the baseball game and we didn't make fun of her at all. Yeah, and you did because not. She was yeah. the star of the baseball. She she was. She, she, I mean, <laughs> there's so much to say about this. There's so much to say. It's amazing. She was amazing. 
from start to finish, and she was like, about, I could have spent, I could have made the entire baseball game from her perspective because she, the camp, because she was pitching, the camera was always focused on her. And, um, because of the location of the mics when they were in outfield, I couldn't actually catch the mics of everybody at all times. But it's just a production issue with like range of microphone connectivity or whatever. We didn't have the access that you have in a real sports game where you have cameras that can shoot um, close-up faces of the people in the outfield and the people at all the bases and things like that. We still had our just our same number of cameras and the same number of microphones. It wasn't a sports setup. So when you take a reality TV capacity and you put it towards sports, it can't quite capture the magic of sports. So we had to really give the impression of the sports game with what we had. And Sheena, I could have made her front and center because she had like all the great lines. She had all the great pitches. She had all the great strikeouts. Like she, so we just tried our best to show that she was doing it and she did. And her team yeah. won and like her grandmother is like on the league of their own. Yeah. That team. was and, like, incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't end. Like the list just keeps going up. She had like this whole long story that we couldn't include because of time about how she was the only girl on her baseball team because she didn't want to play softball. And she eventually did play softball, as you can see from her fast pitch, but she played baseball growing up because she wanted to be like her grandmother playing Aww. actual baseball instead of softball. And so there was just so much to her story that we wanted to tell, but we couldn't um, due to time and like the fact that it's You're not just telling a show it about now. Sheena. You're telling it now and you are explaining yeah. it to us. And that is appreciated because I know that out there in the podcast and you know other world of twitter whatever they think that uh stassi and Bo are the favorites and there's been some chatter about producers um playing favorites and how a producer has so much control and i read a tweet that was saying that was really just giving out about <laughs> bravo and production and it's an angry tweet and it's about a specific producer and it talks about favoritism and how they also want to see the other successes and journeys. And, uh, if you can't be unbiased, you need to switch crews and all this stuff. And, uh, and I just, I mean, it's not just one person who makes these decisions. It's not just one producer who sits there and go, yeah, I think I want to just showcase these people. Is it? No, yeah, you're right. I mean, I see a lot of um people specifically calling out a certain producer um in, on Reddit and on Twitter and on a certain Vanderpump Rules podcast. And it's really it really shows their lack of knowledge about how reality TV is made because the actual process involves a lot of different producers. Producer is a really non-specific term that changes meaning depending on the medium and depending on the context. So like producer Jerry, for example, who is the most famous and well-known producer and who often gets called out on Twitter and on Reddit, he works in the field. And so what he does is he produces segments meaning from the more from the top realm in terms of like for example, he went to Rome with Saucy and Bo while they were touring locations to make sure to talk to logistics with the location about like, oh, what would be the capacity? What what could we do with production? Like, how can we work out production? Is it possible to do production? That way, Saucy and Bo could just look at the 
venues and decided if they liked it. And, and Je- Jeremiah, Je- producer Jerry, could just look at it and be like, talking about the logistics of the production. And I feel like people interpreted that as like, oh, they're just like, he's friends with them. So he went to Rome with them. Like, it was, it was a production scout. And mm-hmm. that's what he does. He like scouts the locations. He works with the cast to find out what's happening in their lives. And that's why he's friends with them. He finds out what's happening in their lives. So he's almost a therapist to them. He's like, what's happening? Oh, no. Okay, well, can we shoot about that? Mm-hmm. Can we help you and Kristen talking about your issue? Okay. So he's really like the one who interacts with the cast. And that's why you see him so often on Instagram interacting with the cast because he's that connection from production to the cast. But he's not the one who decides what's in the in the show. He's not the one who decides exactly what we shoot. He's not the one who decides what we edit. He doesn't have any say in the notes process. He is a friend of mine because I see him around the office, but he doesn't actually tell me what to put in the cut. There is a uh, wonderful and smart um, and very shy overlord named Bill, and he is the showrunner, and he makes the calls. But above Bill is Bravo, and Bravo makes a lot of calls, too. And Bravo mm-hmm. decided that Saucy and Bo were special heroes. And so we do try to have Saucy and Bo in all the shows, but it's a Bravo call and not a producer Jerry call. Producer Jerry is the person who makes sure that we have clearances and who makes sure that we the cast knows where they have to be and who makes sure that the camera people are going to be where they need to be. Then there are a whole other set of producers who also work with the cast like the ones I was saying who were congratulating Saucy when she got engaged. Producer Gary wasn't there. It was a whole different set. Mm-hmm. And then, and they change out very different seasons. They like either move up or they change positions. So it hasn't been the same. And then there's a whole set of producers in the post team, 12 producers, story producers. We call wow. them They're the people who see the footage and who string out the footage for the editors. And they have first eyes on it. And so they say, here's the stories that I'm seeing in the footage. Here's how it goes. So like to say producer Jerry, you're manipulating all these stories um, because you're friends with so-and-so is only evidence that somebody really doesn't understand how production works. So to me, I wouldn't trust somebody who blamed producer Jerry for something because I would yeah. say, wow, you really don't understand how production works. If you think that there is one guy um, who can manipulate that much and based on some kind of subjective friendship, like that's not why we tell stories the way we do it. We tell stories based on what's compelling, what moves the story forward, what tells the truth and how can we get closer to the truth? It's a reality show. So we want to get as close to the truth with like exploring the emotional depth of it that we can. So to me, when I see podcasters and the Reddit and Twitter followers that follow them blaming producer Jerry, that signals to me that these people really don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's good to kind of clear because I think it is frustrating for those who don't know a lot about production and hear just one name over and over again. You know, this person is in charge. This yeah. person is in charge. This person is responsible mm-hmm. for this. And it's probably just a guy trying to do his job. You know what I mean? He's probably just there to make sure that he's putting out as good of a show as everybody else that's working just as hard. And so I think hearing that one person's kind of getting all the the kickback and all the blame for, for this is just, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it just, it irritates me. It, it rubs me the wrong way because 
it's just, it's not really okay. I think if people want to call somebody out to say, hey, bravo, this and that, that's okay. Because bravo is like a euphemism for the powers that be, that are the right. storytellers. So whether right. it is bravo or whether it's Phil or whether it's fair, not, it's never Jeremiah. <laughs> like whether it's me, whether it's one of my producers. I'm sorry, it's never Jeremiah. Like, I'm sorry, never. No. Like, no. <laughs> literally, Jeremiah has never given me notes. Sometimes I show him my footage and I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, I love it. And like, he never has notes because he doesn't get to have notes. So, <laughs> sorry. Like, I have more power in the edit than Jeremiah does. Okay. So now we know it's all cleared up. We can just move forward and leave Jerry alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad you said what you said because I feel like I said, like I said before, I feel like it needs to be known because everybody watching who might be feeling a certain sort of way about the show and thinking that it's all, like I said before, up to one person respectively who is running it is just, it just needs to be cleared up. That's it. That's all I want to do. So yeah. clear, clear as crystal. Let's talk about Dana. Oh, just no, I don't even want to get into that because, um, just Brett's innuendo. Was it as uncomfortable uncut as it was when you cut it? <laughs> like after you cut it? Cause it Which was, one? The base. Was there more? I just caught the baseball one where he was like, I'm going to hit a home, home run. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Just one. Yeah. They have like a weird chemistry. Um, I think of him as like, <sighs> like I said, I mean, you could put him in the same category as Peter. It's like, it's a little awkward, it's a little thirsty, and it's a little bit like it it he thinks he's more suave than he is, and it's a little uncomfortable to watch on camera sometimes. That's it. That's I mean, that's all we can say about that because He's a nice person though. I mean yeah. but he's very thirsty. Like like Peter. Like and Peter. <laughs> um Katie and her uh distaste for the baseball really just resonated with me because I feel like <laughs> me too. <laughs> I mean I get it. Like I'm not really a baseball fan myself, so like going to Did you it. Think she didn't even have her mitt in the outfield. No, she had that. a coat and a bag of sunflower seeds in the outfield. Okay? That's so Katie. That's so perfect. <laughs> that if the ball had come toward her, she would have walked out of the way. Uh, oh yeah. Definitely. Minimal energy effort. I am here. Don't expect anything from me. It reminded me a lot of like David from um Schitt's Creek. Just like he he'll go to those things and just kind of be there. But like she did not. She was just there. But the one thing she did yeah. get out of it was an apology from James Kennedy, which was thank God she did go to the baseball game because that was a moment for them. And they yeah. She accepted his apology and they actually, I think it seemed genuine when, when he was apologizing to her and she accepted yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it, I think, like, to me, it seems like the difference is that she knows he's been sober and he's making amends for that reason. And so that's why it seemed more sincere, like, because there's action behind it. So it's not just like, like, I have a, a parent who has been emotionally abusive. And he's very good. Oh, that's my, it's my dad. Um, apologizes a lot. And, um, he's very good at apologizing because when you hurt people a lot, you're good at apologizing. And so I think like 
when you are interacting with somebody who's very good at apologizing, it might be because they hurt people a lot. And that's my personal mm-hmm. opinion. I'm not an expert on James, but you know, I think like she saw that his apology came with a bunch of really real and challenging actions and being sober is not, is not for the faint of heart, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you're on a, on a reality show and a lot of people are scrutinizing you. And so I can tell the difference with James, like his interviews switched. Like we were interviewing James after he had gotten sober about things that had happened when he wasn't sober yet. And it was hard to match up the the things he said about himself as a sober person with the time when he was still drinking because his personality changed so much. Like I was really like, wow, he really is sober. Like I live with a sober person and I can tell the difference between somebody who is really sober. And and that's not to say, I don't know what his other patterns are. I know he's not drinking. Like, I can tell he's not drinking. I don't know about pills or weed. Like, I don't have opinions and knowledge about that. Um, so, because sobriety is um, sometimes defined as a complete experience and it would not include people who are taking pills or, or smoking weed. And some people define it as just not drinking. And so I don't have, I don't have knowledge about that. I can tell that he's not drinking because his interviews changed so drastically. And I think Katie saw that too. Like he's speaking in a different way. His personality has shifted and he's like much more level. And so that's why I think like his apology meant something different to her. I'm glad that they, they made up. And again, it just shows that the relationships on Vanderpump Rules can change and you don't know when they'll yeah. change, but if, if the person can change and the other person is willing to forgive them and move forward. And that's exactly what Katie's doing. So she's not a total monster or whatever they say her, she is. And <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. No, not at all. Oh my God. She's not just no, so mean. She quoted herself. No, I think that she's really coming around for me this year. I mean, I've had my past with Katie watching her on the show. Yeah. I've gone up, down, and all around, and um, I've liked her the most this season. I think that she's, I liked her a lot on her wedding season, too. She really made me laugh during that season. But this mm. season especially, I just, watching her go through what she's going through with Kristen and everything that's happened, seeing her accept James's apology and moving forward was just kind of, it was just a nice, it's like a cherry on top of it ice cream center, yeah, there I was, guess. There was another, like, little it hit the cutting room floor moment from that that um, scene, which I'm thinking about, and um, you know, you can only play so much when you have 19 cast members, and so you pick the top moments of a scene, and in the moment where James said, I'm not drinking anymore, Katie said, yeah, I'm not really drinking that much anymore either, I'm, I, I'm so happy to not be waking up with hangovers. And James is like, yeah, it's amazing. No, no hangovers. And Katie says, and I'm really, I'm doing a lot of hypoera, capoeira. Uh, <laughs> and I had this one version of the cut where we cut to her doing the capoeira. Was that in, in the beginning of the season? Maybe it got cut out, but she does capoeira at home. And it was really fucking funny. And I always miss that moment. Yeah. I saved the best for last. Okay. And that is overall the number one of the entire season, the shining diamond, Raquel. Oh, thank you. Yes. 
So I'd like to talk a little bit about your journey with Raquel as well as our journey because Raquel and that comment when Jack said that to her and she, you cut to that clip of her going, dick. I mean, it was <laughs> perfect. It was exactly what we needed. And I think even Jack would have respected that at little comment as well. Like, damn, I was wrong. You're right. Because she just hit that ball so far and just, oh, that leap to first base and the leg kick. She is everything. And yeah, if you could just tell everybody about your... In that moment, I just want to, like, replay oh. it in my mind and just, like, like, what was happening in her mind when she did that? I don't know. <laughs> she just was just, like, on cloud nine. She did it. She hit the ball. She's going to go jump and skip to the next base, like, whatever. And you know, what that tells me is that she doesn't take herself too seriously, you know? Not like, at all. And she was having fun with it. And, like, unlike Sheena, who sometimes <laughs> takes herself a little too seriously. Right. But but, but it, rightly so in the baseball game, because she mm-hmm. served it. Raquel is a funny person who doesn't take herself too seriously, and Brown chatted her way to first base or second base whatever <laughs> and then was doing kicks on the base and um she's just like she just says who she is and that's what i love about Raquel. like she sometimes like watching Raquel, like i just feel like i'm like riding a pony on top of cotton candy or something yeah <laughs> like i just feel like really happy and i could just watch her do like lots of things i could watch her do anything really like yeah no, she make me a sandwich, and I will watch you do it. Not that I need her to make me a sandwich, but like, or narrate what happened in this scene, or I don't know. I don't want to watch her doing Pilates, which is the stuff that she posts on Instagram a lot, and I just find that very boring. But um, no, we want more deeper Raquel moments. We want yeah. anything she's doing except Pilates. We want to see her. I would love it if she had her own cooking show. Like, oh my god, amazing. cooking amazing. with Raquel, and then just walking dogs with Raquel. Like I would. Totally, like, she had, like, a live feed where she just, like, walked her dog and, like, talked about all the things she was thinking about. Like, I would love that. I would love that. I'm just going to keep buying cameos of her and changing the names, like, and then different stories for her to tell. I just did buy like, a cameo for my co-producer for her birthday. It was really funny. We made this whole thing where, like, because we were teasing her about um, needing to hook up with Max, and so we were, like... We got Raquel to say that she should hook up with Max. But it wasn't the Max in the show, but it was. <laughs> it was and Raquel just she belted it out. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe Raquel. I I wish I had more money just to spend. I'd spend like all my my stimulus money on on Raquel cameos and see how that goes. Just because she's just so. Um, she probably appreciate <laughs> I mean, it. Like yeah, she's. I know that James probably has more money than um, Raquel does and probably can support them. Raquel is legit working at Sir and doesn't make, she doesn't make Jack's money on the show. Like, she makes a little bit of money. She makes first season Vanderpump Rules money. She wow. doesn't, so she probably really appreciates this cameo. I don't know how to do that then. Raquel, I'm coming for you on cameo. And also, you have dedicated a special Instagram to um, our Miss Raquel. Yeah, so I love the recaps that Vulture does of the show. The producers and I all read them every every week. We're like, oh, Brian Moylan, the writer at 
Vulture, who loved the episode this week, or he really gave us a bad review this week. That really sucks. Why did he give us one star? Oh, he gave us four stars. You know, we're always texting <laughs> back and forth, and he always had these descriptions of Raquel as some ridiculous, inanimate object. And so I had been collecting his descriptions for a while because I always found them so funny, and I had these this long-term dream, multi-season dream of starting a Raquel, some kind of, like, I just wanted to do something with all of Brian Moylan's descriptions of Raquel. So finally, a couple months ago, I started a Raquel um, Instagram meme account called Raquel Moylan, which, so of course, Raquel's real last name is Raquel Levis, and uh, Brian Moylan is the writer at Vulture, and so I made a meme account just where all I do is find screenshots of Raquel that are funny, and I pair them with Brian Moylan's descriptions of her. And I hope it doesn't come off as mean-spirited and hurt Raquel's feelings because I genuinely love Raquel so much. And although Brian Moylan has not always been a, a Raquel fan, he has he started following my account. And he also has said, he's told me personally that he has turned a corner with Raquel and he no longer wants to be really insults at it. You know, I think it's all in the fun. And I hope that I would hope that she would never have feelings hurt, but only feel honored by how much I love her and um respect her and I also always try to portray her as her funniest, most genuine and innocent and like true self, which is I truly believe she is innocent and, and wonderful. Um and you know, if there's anything bad in Raquel, I've never seen it in the footage, honestly. Like I think she's everything that Brittany thought like everyone thought Brittany was as far as like innocent and sweet. I think Raquel is so much more of all of that. And I think that's why Lala goes after so hard. Mm. You know, I think like Raquel is truly genuinely good hearted. And so I hope I would never hurt her. I think she is so funny and the faces that she makes are so funny. And so I paired it together and, and it, we have a bit of following. And so if you want more of Raquel Moylan, please follow it because I try to keep up with it as the quarantine has worn down on me. I um I found it a little harder to keep up with, but maybe I'll get back into it. And this week definitely was a good Raquel week because it was oh, so much. So much. I personally took so much Raquel stuff in the episode, so I had a lot of stuff to work with. It's That's perfect. my Raquel account and my Raquel love with her. I just want to, like pop bubble wrap with her. You know what I mean? Like, just, <laughs> yeah. just like, so perfect. <laughs> Hey, Raquel, what's going on? And just like, shoot the shit. So, mm-hmm. hey, Raquel, please come on the podcast, Raquel, and give us all your thoughts because we oh adore God. you. I wonder, can they do that? Can they go on podcasts and stuff? I don't know. I think they have to talk to producers or um, whoever and then um, get the okay. But I know that Sheena just went on a certain podcast and oh, a certain was one, talking. Right? Mm-hmm. And so she was talking to people. And I know that Ariana went on Ryan Bailey's podcast. So oh, okay. I'm sure they can. Um, she just needs to look at my um, DM that I sent her. So she <laughs> <laughs> will. I hope so. Um, I have a couple of questions because I put out on Instagram that I was going to be talking with you again. So before we get into our plot twist, if you can give me another one. This one's from Ono Bravo. You know her, right? Chelsea, she's amazing. Yes. She says, is Jax better or worse in real life than he's portrayed on the show? I think he's the same exact person. Like, he he's just very up and down. He's very, like, hot and cold. He um, hasn't been super friendly to me um, when I've met him. And then... 
at one point we did, he was like, I'm going to buy you tequila shop. Please don't, please don't make my girlfriend cry with the way you edit her. And it was very intense. Um, really? And another time he gave me a cold shoulder. Um, yeah, he's like, he's very self-absorbed and very, um, well, the world seems to revolve around Jack, according to Jack, so. Right. Yeah, as we can see. He seems like he would be the same in real life as he is on the show, too. It doesn't he feel also like- claims to know all the editors and he doesn't know a single one of us, and I just wanted to put that out there. But oh. any, any tweet you've ever seen, which maybe you haven't seen them, but I've seen them, where he says he knows all the editors, he doesn't know any of us lies. What? He's lying? I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. That is wild. That is wild beyond so my the first about Weird. Okay. The second question is, um, where do you see yourself in five years? I hope I'll be um, editing both Vanderpump Rules and the spinoff of Vanderpump Rules, which has not been famous, but I hope it will be famous. Oh, we do too. That would be a dream come true. It really yeah. would to have. As much as everybody, uh, mo- most everybody <laughs> in the audience <laughs> hopes that there'll be um, a spinoff, we also hope there will be a spinoff. Bravo. And not up to Jerry. No? Jerry can't. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it is not up to Jerry. <laughs> oh, dang it. All right. Well, give me your best plot twist for. Oh, God. Didn't. Did we come up with one a couple you, days ago? We did. I can't really I think I said, it. I said my plot was like, remind me of that because that's so good. I can't we remember. Out what we're thinking. Yeah, of course. Um, <sighs> was it about Sheena? Was it about Sheena macaroni? I, I, was there spaghetti involved? Okay, here's a plot twist. Katie goes back to the Oracle of Los Angeles, who she went to at the end of season seven. And becomes an, an apprentice for the Oracle of Los Angeles. Decides to stop being so cheeky about the witches of WeHo and get very serious about it and becomes, truly becomes a witch. Wow. I think that would be pretty awesome. I think she would do that. That's another thing I think that that would, that would actually be possible for Katie. And then she has like cult meetings and then she has like, cult following and everyone like goes to her seminars and then she like has people dangling from like the top of trees and doing witchy things in the forest and everyone's naked and there's rock circles and all this crazy stuff and then Kristen shows up and she's like oh my gosh and then they like forgive each other and they start doing witchy things together yeah I mean I I think that Katie genuinely believes in her intuitive abilities and and I believe her that she that she relies on them. And, um, and I think she's genuinely interested in it. And, and so I think that would be really interesting for her to follow that because she doesn't really seem to have a lot going on other than knitting and watching Netflix and Capoeira. I mean, really, we all have those things going on right now. I think, <laughs> I think we're all into the Katie quarantine level. The quarantine life. Oh, <laughs> She's been preparing for this for two years. She knows exactly (laughs) what to do. (laughs) I'll follow. I I would love to see her have um, more purpose and direction because I think she's a very interesting, thoughtful person. And um, I think her, sometimes her worst elements um, come out on camera, but, but I think she's actually a very interesting person. 
I'm, I'm getting to know that as we go along, as we go forward. Well, thank you so much for coming again on the podcast. Yeah, and so fun. Yeah, I would love to have you on. You know, I don't know how much longer the season's going on, but I just hope, hopefully it keeps going because I know it started later. So I'm hoping that means that it will go a little bit longer into, you know, the end of this quarantine period for Californians or at least yeah. where I am. So I don't know how long your quarantine's going till, but ours is going till June 1st. Did they tell oh, you? Oh, really? Yeah. When was the, that announced? The Bay Area. I don't know oh. if yours is, but ours, is, they put a lockdown on us. They're like, so yours probably still is May 15th, but ours has been announced and they're like, beaches are closed, bitches. And then June 1st, Santa Clara oh, County okay. has, most of the Bay Area counties have to stay until then. But construction okay. well, is open. I mean, I would assume that we'll do that too because LA was pretty close, quick, pretty quick to close all the restaurants and businesses. So I don't think they're, they're going to play it loose. I think they're going to play okay. it safe. Thank you so much again for coming on. As always, I would love to have you back on again. And thank you so much for taking such special care of the audience of Vanderpump Rules because we notice all those little things and we're paying attention. We love them. You make us laugh by adding all that you add. So just keep going and keep doing all that you do for us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's very gratifying. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. See you later. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Tune in next time. And remember, stay twisted.